It's a privilege to be with you this morning. And this morning I want to talk about fatherhood and the promise of blessing. Fatherhood and the promise of blessing. But before we begin, let's pray together one more time. Lord, um, we just gather before you today, and we just, um, we're humbled, Lord. We're, we're grateful for you, Lord. Um, despite everything that's going on, Lord, we have so much to be thankful for, and your faithfulness to us as our Father in heaven uh, is chief among those things. And so I pray this morning, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, help us, um, to honor this uh, position, God, that you yourself has established to, to uh, order society, God, for our good. Uh, help us to honor our fathers and help the fathers among us to honor the position that we have been entrusted to us. And we pray again, Lord, that you might raise up in this generation many who will be fatherly figures pointing others to the good news and the hope and the truth that is found in Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. Um, Now, I hate to sound like a broken record, a loud broken record, (laughs) Um, but um, it's just hard not to remark on the things going on um, around us, strange days. Lots of confusion, and Father's Day, I think, can highlight that, similarly to Mother's Day, um, because for one aspect of our culture that um, is uh, intensifying, and that is going to certainly mark Christians as increasingly strange and out of step in the coming years, um, is the fact that many people deny there's even any significant difference between men and women at all. Um, and that you can uh, freely exchange the two. Um, if, that's ca- if that's the case, then how much more confused uh, the world must be about what it means to be a father. But we as Christians recognize that God created man, male, and female. And after he did that, he said he looked over all that he had made and he said, behold, it was very good. And so men and women are different and that is a good thing. And, and he established, God established the family, and he appointed uh, the father uh, as, the, as the leader and provider and protector and shepherd of the family. And this is a good thing, <laughs> and we don't need to be ashamed of it. We should embrace it and live it out and show the beauty of God's design for the family. And as the days grow darker, such a witness will grow increasingly brighter um, to a lost world. Um, It's hard to imagine that there would come a day where just being a faithful family and father and mother and children who honor their parents would be so countercultural. But here we are. And this is our time. This is our time. And so um, we're going to... Uh, I just want to look at um, fatherhood this morning and the promise of blessing, and we're going to look at it in the context of the Ten Commandments. Of course, most specifically, um, the the Fifth Commandment, uh, but we're going to read here from Exodus chapter 20. And so if you're able and willing, I invite you to stand in honor of God's Word. And we're just going to read the whole Ten Commandments here, 
going to begin in Exodus chapter 20, well, all the way to the fifth commandment, I'm sorry. And, but we're going to begin in verse 1 to get the context of the Ten Commandments. So Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 1, says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you nor your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Verse 12, honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving to you. The word of God, you may be seated. So I want to explore this, uh, the concept of fatherhood under three headings this morning. Number one is that fatherhood is a representation of God's authority. Fatherhood is a representation of God's authority. Number two is fatherhood is an honorable position. Fatherhood is an honorable position. And number three, fatherhood is a bearer of the promise. Fatherhood is a bearer of the promise. But first we want to look at number one here, father. Fatherhood is a representation of God's authority. I think this is just, I think this is so important and significant for us to grasp as Christians. The fifth commandment, of course, is directed to children, uh, but it shows, I believe, the weight and magnitude and glory and gravity that God the Father has appointed the position of an earthly father to be. So even though the commandment is directed towards children, uh, we can learn a great deal from it about what God thinks of fatherhood. Uh, the first thing that I believe we can draw from the fifth commandment, uh, as I'm saying here, is that fatherhood is a representation of God's authority. Um, and I believe we see this uh, in the Bible in a number of ways. First is that, generally speaking, um, uh, God commanded our first parents, Adam and Eve. So, so when God created man, he said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and have dominion over the earth. In other words, part of what it means to be made in the image of God is that we bear, we bear God's authority. In other words, in other words it's, a, it's an unbelievable privilege to be a human being. Because we of all creatures are alone, are made in the divine image. And that, and part of bearing that image means we represent God himself in, and his authority over the earth to the point that God says, go and be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and exercise dominion over it. We rule the earth for God. So, so representing the authority of another is just innately built into what it means to be humanity. We're supposed to display to the rest of creation, to the world, and even to watching angels what God is like. 
and how he rules wisely and well over his creation. The second way that fathers represent God's authority is that God has explicitly commanded children to honor their parents and wives to submit to their husbands. Okay, and, and so, so note here that the commandment, the commandment is from God, right? And so the, the, the honoring of the children to the parents is not first, is not first an act of obedience to the, to the father, it's an act of obedience to God. When a child respects and honors their father, they're not, they're not just obeying their father, they're obeying God. It's a divine command. And so, and so the father is representing the authority of God himself within the household. And so it's a great privilege and responsibility. And so the act of obedience, the act of obedience and children honoring their parents and, and wives submitting to their husbands is an act of faith, not first in the man, but in God. It's an act of faith in God, trusting in his wise rule and, and order of uh, the world. And thirdly, uh, we should note that we Christians have traditionally distinguished between what we call the two tables of the law. And we would typically say that the first four commandments describe our duty to God, and the last six commandments describe our duty to men. And, and I mean, that, that's, of course, one legitimate way to, to uh, distinguish those two. But, uh, but at least one commentator that I read noticed that, noted that, some, that Jews, or at least some Jews, didn't divide the Ten Commandments down that way, that way. Some Jews divided the Ten Commandments right down the middle, five and five. And they included the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother as, as, as what? Understood as part of our duty to God, not just to man. And, 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 and how can, so we should ask, why should that be? How would they view honor your father and mother first and foremost as a part of our duty to God rather than to man? Well, I say it's because fatherly authority in particular is perhaps is the first and the most important direct manifestation of God's authority that a human being will ever experience in their lives. And we have to note that God has chosen in his divine wisdom to describe himself as a father of his people. And so there has, there has to be some intentional point to that. God created fatherhood. He established the family. He established the role of the father to give us a picture and a pointer to tell us what he is like in relation to his people. So in other words, fatherhood represents something vastly greater than itself. And a father is a little human being's first taste of what it is like or should be like to have someone love you deeply and profoundly. And therefore, they teach you to fear God, embrace the good, flee evil, respect authority and love others. The father is supposed to be the first glimpse that a child has of what it is like to have someone who loves you, provides for you, protects you, disciplines you and corrects you, rewards you, chastens you and trusts uh, uh, stewardships to you and empowers you in your life. God has created it. God has established it to be that way. You know, my sons, <laughs> 
they pretty well think I can do anything. <laughs> and one day they're going to figure out I can't. And that'll be a sad day. But it's a picture, isn't it? To a child, to a child, you know, who's this high, certainly it would feel like I can do anything. Because they recognize that there's so much that they can't do that I can. What is it? It's a picture. We're God, we're to look to God. Because there really is nothing that God can't do. And when I look at my limited, my extremely limited capacity to do and accomplish things, I can look to God and say, wow, daddy really can't do anything. And it was, what? it's a picture. It's a pointer. It's a pointer to this great reality. Fatherhood is a pointer to a great reality. And so, just like, for example, that marriage is a picture of Christ in the church, and, and marriage is so important precisely because it, it points to something greater than itself, I would say fatherhood is the same way. Fatherhood is so vastly important precisely because it points to something so great. It points to the relationship that God himself has established with his children, those who believe in his son. And so it's a weighty thing, whether we like it or not, how well we father will directly affect how our children perceive God. And of course, it's possible, we don't want to put too much weight on ourselves. There's lots of factors that play into that. We're not ultimately responsible for the decisions of our children. But we don't want to, under, we don't want to underestimate, though, the profound impact that we make on our children as fathers, it's huge. It's huge. And so all fathers, and not just physical fathers, but all men who bear intentional influence in the life of someone else. Because um, uh, we're all called to be disciple makers, right? We should all feel the weight and the gravity of what's been entrusted to us, right? People, they look they watch, children look, children watch, children repeat <laughs> what you say. But not just that, it goes way deeper than that, doesn't it? They watch what you love. They watch what you get excited about. They watch what is, is obviously important to you and what isn't. And those are their cues that, they, that begin to teach them what is and isn't important. It's huge. And so it's an honor, it's a privilege. And of course, with that comes responsibility. So fathers, of course, should not abuse the good authority that is, steward, that is given to them, but should steward it. Seeking to shepherd our families as God shepherds us. Seeking to be like God who loves and disciplines and gives grace and corrects and protects and provides and leads and cultivates. We should teach our children to say yes to the good and no to the bad. We should not tolerate sin and evil. We should show the reward of faith-filled righteousness and also in discipline give a foretaste of what self-centered rebellion will ultimately bring. Which is why the Bible says he who doesn't discipline his child hates him. 
So as fathers and men, we have this great authority, this great responsibility as representatives of God's own authority. So that's what we see in number one, is that fatherhood is a representation of God's authority. Number two, number two, fatherhood is an honorable position. Fatherhood is an honorable position. Again, verse 12, honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord has given to you. And so, and so just a very simple, another simple truth that we can draw from this verse is that it's an honorable position because God has commanded that it be honored. <laughs> and what God says is honorable is honorable. God defines reality. We don't define it for ourselves. If God says the position of fatherhood is honorable, then it is honored. It is honorable and ought to be honored. If you love Christ and if you fear God, you should be committed to honoring your parents, whether you think they deserve it or not, because it's not about what people deserve. It's about what God commands. Of course, I'm not talking about blind allegiance. God's authority trumps parental authority, infinitely so. But still, it's our commitment to God that stirs our commitment to respect proper authority. When we recognize that there, there is a rightful authority and that God exercises it, then that also enables us and empowers us to respect rightful authority everywhere that it is found. In the home, in the society, the government, and elsewhere. And so from the command to honor one's parents, we can conclude that God has endowed the position of father with an inherent honor, an inherent dignity, an inherent glory. It should be respected by children uh, by honoring their parents. It should be respected by the fathers by, by acknowledging the weighty responsibility that it is and stewarding, and stewarding it properly in that light. And so the command to honor your father and mother is not just for the children, but it's for the fathers as well. Because it being an honorable position, that means in my exercise of it, I must treat it honorably. And so children, therefore, can profane fatherhood by disrespecting it. Fathers can profane fatherhood by neglecting it or misrepresenting God in their fulfillment of it. But regardless, it's an honorable position because God has appointed it as such and this and this plays out in society god's god's no fool he knows how he he made humanity he designed humanity he knows how humanity works okay he so the god's order for the family is not just some accident it's not just some thing it's not just some kind of traditional thing that the patriarchy made up to to dominate and oppress it's God's good design for the flourishing of humanity. And all kinds, and from what I understand, all kinds of sociological studies, contrary to popular, I mean, despite, you know, people denouncing it, I think it shows the detrimental effects and great hurdles that must be overcome for a family when the father is not present. It's just reality. Why? There's a reason for that. It's not just an accident. It's not because it's because God has designed it this way. And when you intentionally break God's design, there will be consequences. That's just how it works. The family is the fundamental building block of society. It's where it's where we are shaped as people and in, as, as in individuals. And when the and when the fundamental building block of society crumbles, 
society will go with it. It's just, it's inevitable. And it's in a sad state when the government thinks they can parent your children better than you can. What an honor it is to be a father. In the physical sense and so much more in the, in the spiritual sense. Right? Physical fatherhood is, is vastly important, but it's temporary if it doesn't also involve spiritual fatherhood. So I pray for my children every day that God would save them because everything else is vain if it doesn't happen. And so, and so we all have this responsibility to point those whom God has placed in our sphere of influence to Christ. And that is the spirit of being a father. So whether we are fathers or not, God has, God has established this role within society, within, um, within, within human reality. And he speaks about this in Isaiah 56, verses 1 through 5. He says, he says, thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness. For soon my salvation will come and my righteousness will be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, that is the person who can't have children, Say, behold, I'm a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant. I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And so we see this privilege here, the honorable position that fatherhood is. So fatherhood is a representation of God's authority. It's an honorable position. And and number three here, fatherhood is a bearer of the promise. Again, verse 12 says, honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving to you. In Ephesians chapter six, verses one through four, the apostle Paul uh, quotes this verse. He says, children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment. With a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so what do I mean when I say that fatherhood is a bearer of the promise? Well, this is what I mean. Um, In Ephesians, in in that passage in Ephesians, Paul is outlining what proper submission looks like in various spheres of life you can go back and read it okay he explains that god the the order that god has established in the home is for children to obey their parents and the reason for that in verse one you gotta love this he says children obey your parents and lord for this is right it's right why obey your parents because it's right it's the right thing to do the next answer is even better he quotes exodus twenty twelve: honor your father and mother in other words Obey your parents. Why? Because God said so. Because God said so. In other words, if you can't, if you can't, if you can't respect the authority of God, you'll never expect the, uh, respect the authority of your parents. And one has to precede the other. But we, and we, but we 
we model God's authority in the hopes that they will respect God, God's own authority. And so God has said it. God has established it. It's his authority that we are ultimately respecting. It's right. And we could miss this uh, interesting and important comment that Paul makes, but we want to look at it here. He says, this is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. The reason why I think this is important and that it's, it's striking is that if, if you, yeah, we, it's important, I think, to ask ourselves, well, okay, now, Paul, you know, how are you applying that verse? Because we have to remember that the, the, the law, the, the Ten Commandments were given not to the whole world, but to the Jews, on Mount Sinai, as a part of the covenant with which God was making with them, as part of the way that they would exercise their faith and obedience to God, and therefore he would bless them in the land that he, had, he was giving to them. Okay? And, and, and in the context of the land, I mean, clearly he's talking in, in, in Exodus there about the, the land of Israel. But, and so this, we have to ask, because it's not, it's not straightforward if we, if we think about it. But Paul, who is Paul talking to in, uh, in this letter to the Ephesians? Well, Ephesus was an important city. And many, if not most of the believers there were Gentiles and not Jews. Acts records uh, that there were so many conversions taking place uh, in the city of Ephesus that, you know, people were taking all their magic books and pagan literature and burning them up, and that the, 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 uh, the silversmiths and the people who made idols were, were going out of business, and they said, we got to do something about this because people are no longer worshiping idols, and they started a riot, okay? So that's what's happening in Ephesus. So the primarily Gentile people in that region that Paul is writing to and yet to these largely, this largely Gentile population, Paul applies to them a promise that was made to Israel. And, and, and does Paul intend to say then that the Gentiles are somehow going to inherit the, 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 the physical land of Israel that we think about today? I think clearly the answer is no. He's, he's, he's saying that the promise meant more than what the, even the Jews understood when God gave it. It's something greater than that. The promise, the promise of the land goes beyond Palestine. It goes back to the original promise to be fruitful and multiply and fill the whole earth and subdue it and exercise dominion over it. And that's why in the new creation, when sin is removed and, and, and judged and his people are raised uh, to new life, to sin no more and to live with him forever in a world free from sin. John in the vision says, behold, I saw a new heavens and a new earth, a land where righteousness dwells. And what Paul is telling Gentiles is this, that promise is for you. It's not just for Jews. And when you honor your father and mother, you are showing that you are an heir of the promise. You are showing that you belong to God. You are showing that you trust in God by your obedience. And he's saying that promise is for you. You have a land waiting for you.
And so that's the biggest and most important sense that we can talk about. We could also talk about it in a more practical sense too, right? And that is that respecting one's parents is the first expression of honoring proper authority within a person's life. And respecting proper authority is essential to a healthy functioning society. Just feel like that's where lots of our problems coming into the are, are, are happening today. Of course, the great fear today is that people abuse authority, and that is true. Some people abuse authority, but without respect of proper authority, you can't have a society. It just can't exist. Authority is not bad. Abuse of it is. There's a difference. And if a person will not honor their parents whom they can see, how will they honor God whom they can't see? If, if a person won't honor their own parents... How will they honor their teachers in school and learn? If a person won't honor their professors if they go to trade school or college, how will they graduate? If a person doesn't respect their employers, how will they work and contribute to society and earn a living? If people don't honor uh, the government and, 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 and law officers, how can, how can, how can anybody be safe? There is good authority. Yes, people abuse it, but there is good authority, and we must respect it. And it is our responsibility as parents and influences of others to teach people to respect good authority. And we should, and and children within our home, we must demand it. We must learn that authority is good. But we see that this goes way beyond all of this, as, as important, as, gra- as greatly important as all of these practical realities are in our life and in our society, our hope lies beyond this world. There's a better world that's coming. And it very well may be that God will just let this world turn into a flaming hot mess to, to, to show people that your hope is not supposed to be here. We have a hope. We have a hope. And in a, and, and in a day as today, even when, when people see kids honor their parents, that says something's different there. And, we can, and, and that itself is an act of faith. It's an act of faith that, there, that there's a promise waiting for us that we trust God enough to honor our parents. And that, that, that trust is the, is the evidence that the promise is ours. That that land, that that land that God promised Israel is something much greater. A land where all authority is properly and rightfully Respected. In fact, you won't even think about it in terms of, of that way. You'll just think, wow, this is my father. He's so good. He's so wise. He's so true. It, it can't even enter my mind not to trust him. And everyone is so full of love and peace and respect and gentleness and kindness and trust that it won't even enter our minds not to treat others with what 
they are due. That's the world we're destined for when we're saved to sin no more. And so in this day, it's tempting to think, well, what can we do to make a difference? And there's lots of things that people are trying to do to make a difference. I'm not sure how much everything is helping that people are trying to do. But I will say one thing I can guarantee you will make a huge difference in this society. Love your families. Love those whom God has placed in your circle of influence. Be kind, be loving, be faithful, be courageous, be disciplined. Shepherds people's heart to Christ. Teach your children to love and fear Christ. Teach them to respect and love others and to respect proper authority. That will make a greater difference than just about anything else. I really believe that. And, and, Jesus, and Jesus talked about this. He talked about our servants. God has entrusted to each of us different things. We, we always like to push on people saying, you know, if you're not doing what I'm doing. But that's not how it works. Jesus said that it's like kingdom of God is like a master. And he entrusts to different servants, different things, different amounts. And in, in the sight, and in human sight, these things may be very small things. And in fact, that's what the master says. When the master comes back to reward them for what they did with what he entrusted them, he tells them, he said, you've been faithful in little. But guess what? That has proven to me you'll be faithful in much. And then when he comes back, he'll give you more than you could ever imagine. Enter into the joy of your master. We want to make a difference in the world. We want, to, we want to be faithful to Christ and receive the greatest possible reward in him that we can. Then be faithful in the little things like being a father or a mother or a friend or a neighbor or whatever God has entrusted to you. God's watching and it makes an eternal difference. Let's pray.